looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Past the Post. It's Sunday the 5th of March. Another great day of racing yesterday. A dramatic Australian guineas at Flemington. And, of course... A big meeting at Royal Randwick uh, where Zach Purden, I feel, stole the show. Uh, he was here to ride. He's got a legion of fans worldwide. He didn't let down his Australian fans yesterday with a riding double and should have made it a treble, but we'll talk about that later. And, of course, speaking of riding, Ben Thompson swept them all away at Eagle Farm yesterday. He rode the first four winners. We thought he was going to ride the program. It didn't turn out that way, but four out of nine ain't too bad. They were some of the highlights, which we'll discuss, plus plenty more. Ben Dorries is with me. Morning, Ben. Yeah, good morning, David. I think just off the bat, I'd like to extend um, our well wishes as a show and as a network to Ethan Brown and his family. Mm. Uh, he's not in a good way. Um, earlier, he was listed as in a critical condition. He's stable now, uh, faces more surgery today from that fall. So, look, really worrying stuff, and it just shows you that the pitfalls that these jockeys face. So we cross our fingers and wish Ethan all the best for surgery today and for a speedy recovery. Yeah, we'll talk about it uh, more in detail when we talk about the race, but, but you're, you're spot on there. That's what made it a dramatic guineas and probably took some of the shine off the win of Legato. But, yes, yeah, certainly... With Ethan, our, our thoughts and prayers are with him at the moment. Just before we <clears throat> get stuck into things, I, I do feel the presence of Purton yesterday added, certainly added an extra dimension to Randwick Racing. He's the king, I reckon. I mean, we talk about J-Mac and and, uh, and others, and there's no doubting how good James McDonald is. But Zach Purton, I mean, look, you know, he's done everything there is to do in, in Hong Kong. I'd love to see his bank balance. It would be enormous. However, uh, I just reckon... Coming back to Australia, the clean sheet of Group 1s yesterday would have just been a bit of him thinking, cop this, J-Mac, cop this Australian jockeys. Hey, I'm Zach Purton. I'm not bad either. He is uh, absolutely superb. I love him too. He's got that bit of cockiness, bit of arrogance about him that all good sports uh, people do. Mm. But he's also deep, well, not deep down. He's a, he's a terrific guy and a terrific rider. I think he's great for racing. Uh, love to see him riding back in Australia full-time one day, maybe sooner than we think, Dave. Yeah, I'm going to talk tomorrow on Press Room about the um, the comparisons between racing and sport as far as betting is concerned. The one advantage sport has, sport in general, uh, you can make heroes out of people, you know, whether it be um, footballers, cricketers, whatever, and, 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 and young people particularly rally to, to some of these top sportsmen. Racing, it's difficult to make heroes. Occasionally we'll have a heroine in terms of the equine, like Winks or Black Caviar, but making heroes out of out of racing people is not an easy exercise. But Purton drags it along that way because people look at him, they admire him, they they, they back him. And, uh, and it's the same with McDonald as well. We're probably talking about Purton because he arrived yesterday. But, but having those two jockeys there yesterday and there was that, you know, under the radar rivalry, I thought it was a great, great, great moment for racing. Well, if he did come back to Australia permanently one day, um, Zach Purton, I'd hate to see what it would do to the uh, the pools in Hong Kong. I mean, just on your theme, there's people in Hong Kong that just literally back mm. Zach Purton. That's what they do for a living, just about back Zach Purton in, in anything. He is a huge... His influence, his stature and his rides are just a massive contributor to those massive betting pools over there. And even though he's had a lot of publicity over a long period of time... I still feel, if you look at his overall record, he's still understated to some degree. If you really 
dig deep and, and drill down and talk about the Zach Purden story and what he's achieved. And, you know, still at a, a relatively young age, uh, it, it's, it's a wonderful story. We're going to explore that this morning because Ben was able to catch up with Zach a little early today. He's got commitments right through the day, but Ben spoke with him uh, earlier. We'll play that interview shortly. Let's go to Royal Randwick firstly. It promised to be a top meeting on paper, and it panned out that way. There were so many exciting finishes and a lot to discuss. Let's go to our first Group 1. This was the uh, Canterbury Stakes, and uh, here's the replay coming up now. 600 metres to run, Electric Girl a half in front to Imperatrice Lombardo tucked away on the inside third followed by Golden Mile converged deeper out on the track from Old Flame uh, deeper out then is Quantico Arturia uh, strung up between runners, Cascadian back on the rails up the rise, Electric Girl really being tested now by Imperatrice and McDonald let the New Zealand mare go and Imperatrice raced the length clear from Electric Girl, then came Golden Mile from Converge, Kerwin's Lane but Imperatrice a length and a half clear Artorius is bursting home late. Imperatrice in front. Artorius! Wow! Artorius bombed her and won the Canterbury Stakes right on the wire. So Artorius beat Imperatrice. Third between Electric Girl, Golden Mile, then Cascadian. Further back, Converge from Kerwin's Lane, Lombardo, Quantico and Argedia. Well, that was Artorius winning the Canterbury Stakes. What a fabulous win back in the winner's circle after a long time. And the man of the moment... Uh, the man of the hour, the man of the week, Zach Purton, uh, joins us fresh off winning uh, the Canterbury Stakes uh, and also the other group one on the day. Zach, welcome to the show. What an extraordinary day for you. I know you've had a lot of them in Hong Kong, uh, but that must have been very pleasurable yesterday. Yeah, it certainly was. I think, you know, just because it's been so long since I've been able to ride in Australia as well and, and come back to Sydney, which uh, we call home, um, to see a lot of our family and friends and then be able to go to the races and have a, a decent day like that. It's made the trip feel very special um, and I've enjoyed it. So you know, hopefully I can continue to pick up some nice rides and, and come back down again. It Was there a trick to getting Artorias to win? Obviously we know uh, you know how good he is. We saw him at Royal Ascot, but it had been a while since he'd won. Uh, he almost looked a new horse yesterday. He was he was there and ready to rumble. Was the was the how did you get the best out of him? Maybe I got lucky. Um, he's a horse that <laughs> sometimes can settle uh, a little bit too far back in his races and, and can find a little bit more traffic than what he did yesterday. Uh, obviously, the stable have done quite a bit of work with him. They tinkered with his gear. I believe by putting the visor on and obviously Jay Mac rode him in the trial recently and was able to get him out the gates and get him up outside the leader. You know, they've been doing everything they can to encourage him to jump uh, better and put himself in um, more of a, a striking position, um, which is where he was yesterday. Although he didn't fly out of the gates, he's still come out of the gates reasonably well and I was able to drive him early to get a good spot and that's the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, and... Look, 40 minutes later, uh, I guess, yeah, people knew, people, Artorius was in the market, um, was going to be there or thereabouts, so it wasn't the surprise of the century when, when he won. But <clears throat> communist, uh, not many people saw coming in the Randwick Guineas uh, for Michael Friedman. Did you think this horse had a hope going into it? Oh, you always go into any race thinking you've got some type of chance, right? They don't enter them uh, unless they, they believe that they can run well. Uh, his last run obviously was disappointing, uh, but we decided to change the tactics yesterday. 
he just drew the right gate and got into the right spot in a race that was run to suit his rhythm. He travelled beautifully the whole way and coming with a straight, full of confidence. And then it was just a matter of whether he was going to be able to let down and, and a matter of whether he was good enough. And obviously, uh, he'd been well prepared. Um, and, uh, you know, he won fairly soft on the line in the end. Yeah, and it was a dramatic day for you too, wasn't it? In the last, just extraordinary footage, uh, the head-on footage. Um, you are on Tycoon Evie, which was third past the post, but uh, how you stayed on your, your horse is, is just about beyond me. It was, uh, you know, extraordinary interference. Um, your horse got ended up getting promoted to uh, second. But uh, take us through that. I mean, you, did you see it coming? Uh, how lucky were you to stay on? Yeah, I was very lucky. Um, you know, there was not much that Jack Lloyd could do about that. Uh, his horse seemed to spot something on the inside and started to veer off the track and, and shy. Um, I could see it coming, but unfortunately, because I was coming so quick and Jack's horse was moving out at such an angle, I just couldn't avoid the crash that was that was coming. And uh, my horse's legs got tangled up with his horse's legs. Uh, I was very fortunate that, you know, after uh, it, it Bit, uh, she dipped and stumbled. She was able to, to stay on her feet. So uh, I'm thankful I was, there. I was able to walk home and uh, I feel like I won that race anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was a win walking away from that. So what's next? Are you staying in Australia for a little bit? I know you're playing golf uh, this morning with some mates. Are you taking a little little bit of time off? You're suspended, I know, um, uh, basically now. What's, uh, what's the plans and, and when do you fly back? Yes, yeah, so as you said, I, I play golf today at New South Wales uh, with Michael Friedman and a couple of other friends. So that'll uh, that'll be a nice day, hopefully. I'm not sure how I'm going to hit the ball after um, <laughs> celebrating like we did last night, but it'll still be good to get out there and it looks like it's going to be a good day. I'll then have uh, a long lunch in the afternoon with um, another group of friends and then get on a plane and go back to Hong Kong tonight. Uh, we have some important diary trials on Tuesday morning, including California Spangles. So I want to be back there and make sure that he's coming along in his preparation as, as I'd like before his next uh, big group one assignment. Yeah, it sounds like a superb day. I wish I could join you. And last one, <clears throat> just reading the tea leaves, it sounds like we're going to see you riding uh, in Australia a, a little bit more often as a Hong Kong Jockey Club, um, you know, potentially going to be a bit more, um, well, I don't know if lenient's the right word, but, but they're going to be more open perhaps to you travelling to Australia to ride more often than we've seen in the past? Yeah, they've suggested to me that that uh, could be the case. Um, I'm going to sit down with them when I get back um, and continue that conversation and see where we end up. Um, but that, that would be nice. I don't have any other rides booked coming up. Um, obviously, after yesterday, I've, I've been offered a couple, but we'll let the dust settle and see what might work um, and, and then work it out. But uh, yeah, it's, it's up in the air a little bit, but um, I'm sure the club's going to be a little bit more flexible and, and allow me to travel a little bit more. Yeah, and I know you're sick of getting asked this last one, uh, but obviously we love you in Australia and, um, you know, the, our listeners and, and everyone who follows racing saw firsthand how brilliant you are yesterday if they don't watch Hong Kong racing, which I'm sure most of them do. Any chance of a full-time move back here in the future? Is it something... You know, you've achieved everything in world racing. Um, at Australia, obviously, the lifestyles, um, you know, appealing. You've got a young family. Um, is that something that, that could be on the cards, you know, in the future? Yeah, sure. It's something that we're 
uh, talking about at the moment. Um, everything is on the table. I'm not swayed one way or the other at the moment. I'm hope, hoping that by the end of April I'll be able to make a decision and, and let everyone know I, I don't want to drag it on. I, I want to have some clarity and direction on where my life's going to go um, shortly. So we'll, uh, we'll work that out. It's, it's a big decision to make, obviously. We love Hong Kong. Uh, we like the racing, the culture, the lifestyle. You know, our kids were born there, so it's not as if they know any different. Um, but obviously, Sydney and, and Australia is home. We've really enjoyed our time back here and been able to see everyone again. Obviously, the racing in Australia continues to get stronger and stronger. So whatever I choose to do, um, I'm in a fortunate position. And, uh, you know, when I, when I feel like I've made that decision, then... Uh, I will know as well as everyone else. Oh, well, uh, thanks so much for your time on the show this morning, Zach. I'm sure everyone listening actually has their fingers crossed that you do come back to right here full time. Congratulations again and enjoy the golf today. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate all the support I, I get. I think living overseas, you become a little bit more parochial, so it is nice to know that people back here are supportive of what I do and you know, we'll see what, uh, see what the future lies. Well, we've just spoken to the man of the moment, Zach Purton, who won on Artorias. Uh, now let's have a chat to Henry Field, the boss of Newgate, who must be tickled pink with Artorias back in the winner's circle. Morning, Henry. What a terrific win. Yeah, Ben, it was a sensational win by a bloody good horse and an exceptional ride by a phenomenal jockey, so I just couldn't have worked any better. Take us uh, into the sort of backstory, Henry, of um, booking Zach to ride, because it was sort of uh, one from left field, I guess, for for a lot of people. Zach hadn't ridden in Australia for several years. How how did that come about? Mate, uh, he's obviously like a very talented horse, Artorias, but he just needs, uh, needs a very good rider to get the best out of him. And uh, we 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 really tried hard to get James McDonald to ride him, and he committed to Zaki, which was understandable because he obviously had a great association with that horse. And uh, Tom Marquand then said he'd ride him, but he broke his shoulder. And then uh, and then on the um, so basically all the Melbourne jockeys were in Melbourne as a big day, Guineas Day in Melbourne, and and we were sort of stuck for you know a really uh, you know elite rider, I suppose, at that level. And um, we needed a, good, a strong gate rider, which obviously Zach, Zachy, that's one of his trademarks in Hong Kong. And um, so we, we approached him and we, uh, we thought we'd have Kings Gamble running as well. So two really good colts from his ride. And, and, um, and, and he, was, he was delighted. He, he obviously knows his form very well, knew the horse very well. And, and he said, uh, yeah, this horse can win, I'll come. Oh, that's terrific! And he, uh, I wouldn't say uh, looked like a new horse, but he looked like he had a. He was very, he was reinvigorated. He looked really, uh, you know, he, he was there from the get go. Looked right up for it yesterday, didn't he? And he, he was powerful at the end, like we know he can be. Well, you know, Anthony and Sam were delighted with him. The horse was in great shape, and and Ben, you've only got to look at this horse's form uh, in the last, in the last uh, his three year old season. He's he's placed in a Coolmore, a Caulfield Guineas, a Platinum Jubilee, and a July Cup. So here's a. He's a world-class talent. It just you just needed needed a you know a, a serious serious ride to get it out of him. And 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 the minute we sort of came up with the idea of Zach, and Anthony and Sam were, were delighted with the idea. And um, and uh, yes, and 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 he, and he rode the horse accordingly. Uh, and it was great to see him then back it up and win the round with Guineas for Michael Friedman on the 
a son of Russian Revolution, and uh, and and that was part of the package deal when Zach was booked. He was, he was booked to ride three horses. Uh, we we sort of organised a little package for him. One was communist. One was uh, uh, obviously a tourist. One was King's Gambit. So so it was a, a nice little package of horses, and he didn't he didn't let it, he didn't let us down. He, he rode them he rode them he rode them a treat. Uh, he certainly didn't. So what's next for Artorius? I guess short term, but but also I mean, is there potentially another trip to 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 the UK and, and Ascot back on the cards this year or not? Yeah, I think so. I think more than likely he'll run on the two Joe Smith. And, and if he can get a ride like he got yesterday, I think he can be right in the finish of that race. Uh, and from there, I'd say it's likely he'll go then back to Royal Ascot to the Platinum Jubilee. Um, he, he was awfully unlucky last year. He, he loomed to win, got beaten half a length and was checked the last 50 metres. And, and as we know with Artorias, the last 50 metres of his races are always his strongest. So... So um, he was probably very lucky enough to win last year, but certainly uh, a, a tilt back at uh, Royal Ascot will be on the cards, and then uh, maybe the July Cup before retiring. So oh, that'll be terrific. And you mentioned King's Gambit. Can you just give us a bit of an update as to what's going on with that two-year-old? Yeah, he's going to trial on Tuesday at Randwick, um, and then go into the slipper. Uh, Peter and Paul just felt like that they have a massive opinion of this horse and. They just felt that you know there was probably one one big run left in him for the prep, and, and they wanted to save that for slipping out. And uh, so that they'd, rather than running him in a tournament, they elected to give him a trial on Tuesday and then go uh, into the slipper on precious legs. And uh, you know his form around cylinder and red resistance would suggest that he is a is a massively large chance going into the, the slipper in, in two weeks' time. And um, Don Corleone. He arrived back from Melbourne in great shape after his terrific effort in the Blue Diamond that he'll run in the uh, in the slipper as well for us. So we've got a couple of live chances. Does it look like? Um, I remember, you know, you could say this, you know, in, in several years in the past, but it does really look like a wide open slipper. If you, you know, as a punter, I guess if you like something, it's it's hard to dissuade you from it. I mean, some different two-year-old seems to put their hand up every week this season. That's true. Personally, like I like the Colts form. I like the Todman form. Yesterday, I thought they, I thought they were the first two home of the Todman. Yesterday, I thought were, were, were big runs, and they the, the, the clock backed that up. And um, you know, I think they're very good Colts. I think the first two home of the Todman, uh, you know, t- t- terrific horses. And I, I think, uh, you know, I think you know, hopefully Kings Gambit and Don Corleone, who have sort of form around those horses, can be. Can, 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 can all, it can all measure back up in the slipper in two weeks' time. But I, I, I do think, for me personally, that obviously we're vested with a couple of Colts in the race, but I think the Colts form, um, in my humble opinion, will be the superior form for the slipper this year. Well, congratulations again, Henry. Great day for you yesterday. Thanks for joining us on Past the Post. Cheers, Dan. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Great insight there into Artorias from the jockey's point of view, Zach Purden, and then, of course, from the owner's point of view with Henry Field. Interesting, uh, uh, one point that Henry made about Artorias, I was sort of thinking yesterday, 1,300 in the Canterbury Stakes, they may extend, say, like to the George Ryder, like 1,500 or a Doncaster, but he mentioned the TJ Smith, so obviously keeping in that sprint range. Yeah, absolutely. Um, be great to see this horse back uh, at Ascot because he was... I don't know if unlucky is the right word. He sort of makes his own luck or he has made his own bad luck, I guess, in the past. And, but we saw what we can do, what he could do. So it was interesting. He, I think he, he was you know, hard in the market early, you know, in early betting, very early betting when Zach was booked to ride and then eased 
you know, to nine dollars fifty or something on race day. Well, it's amazing because I can distinctly remember last Monday on press room I was talking, I think, with Ray about about the race, and the tab fixed at the time was Artorias and Imperatriz equal favourites of three dollars fifty. So if you, you you thought you would have shopped well if you're on Imperatriz, but if you took the three fifty Artorias, you could have got triple that price. But I think the key to it was, and, and Purden outlined this to you, was to have him a bit closer and you know concentrating. And with Purden's hands, he 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 was closer, and he drove to the line strongly. Uh, a good bit, and, and he is maligned somewhat because of that long gap from winning. And just to put it on the, the table, his last win before yesterday was in the Blue Diamond of 2021. So it's been a two-year gap. But on the upside, or, or in his defence, you know, placed in a Caulfield Guineas, placed in a Coolmore, um, race with distinction overseas. So he is a great uh, stallion prospect as well, which he'll probably retire after after Ascot this year. It was a, a race where it was a bunch finish. It was probably only three lengths over the first eight runners or so. Um, one one horse I thought ran well was Kerwin's Lane. Don't know where he's headed. Of course, he won the Ingham late last year. He was first up yesterday, but made good ground out wide. But I think in the end, all honours with the winner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, what Henry said there, just about wanting a strong rider to almost stand over Artorias and, and, and tell Artorias who was boss. Uh, might have been the key there. And you're right, I reckon the first four, five, six were all, all good over the line. The likes of you know, Golden Mile, Cascadian, uh, they were a length or a couple of lengths off them, but they weren't they weren't horrendous by any means. They were pretty good. Well, it was a big day for the Freeman family. Anthony and Sam, of course, in partnership, preparing Artorias. Anthony's brother Michael prepares Comius to win the next race we're going to listen to, the Randwick Guineas. And like with Artorias, I think uh, post-race, Michael Freeman said... Having Zach Purden was having a fresh set of eyes. It certainly paid dividends. As we're about to hear, the favourite, though, was Arf Cabot at 260. Coming around the turn, Hollywood Hero travelling well. Out by a length and a half to Lindemann. Machilate just being nudged along on the inside as Zoo Tiger pulls out. Then Communist Williamsburg. Half cabin still a long way back and in a bit of traffic at the moment. Then Lindemann moved up now to take the lead from Communist Looming. Then Zoo Tiger and Half Cabin is slashing into the clear. Communist races up. Communist hits the lead in the round with Guineas and is broken clear. And it's a Zach Purton group one double. Communist broke away to beat Lindemann. Zoo Tiger third, aft cabin. Oh, you'd be feeling seasick there. It's run fourth every chance at the end. Further back to Williamsburg, Machilade. Then came Manzois from Cutanadine, Promito. Hollywood hero buckle to finish last. His communist uh, bouncing back after, on face value, was an average performance in the Hobartville. But I think that the general consensus was he's a better chaser than he is being on speed. And he was on speed in the in the Hobartville and knocked up, ran seventh to Ozapenko, but yesterday, ridden quietly, he charged to the line. I must admit, I couldn't have backed in with stolen money yesterday after the run in the Hobartville, but total change of tactics, um, totally different result. And um, a couple of points of note, I think we can say from yesterday that the early Sydney hype on half cabin uh, is not entirely justified. Very good horse, um, no doubt. But I reckon so half of Sydney had him down as the, the next coming of Winks or Farlap or something like that. He's not that. He's a good horse. I uh, had his chance yesterday. Uh, the race, of course, was opened up to some extent by the scratching of Ossipenko, mm. who was the second favourite uh, in the Hobart Valley winner on race morning. So 
Uh, congratulations to Michael Friedman and the crew. Um, it was an unexpected win for me. Started $16. Uh, I guess with Osipenko in the race would have started longer, but um, certainly a rough result that would have knocked a few out of the quarter, I'd suggest. When half cabin got beaten the other day, the excuse put out was uh, we had to work hard to get outside lead and it wasn't, uh, wasn't a great race shape for him. I thought that excuse was a bit thin, looking at all the times, and yesterday, ridden quietly with cover, he presented at the right time, and if he was good enough, he would have won. But I think that a mile is probably a stretch too far as well, and I'm just thinking fresh fresh 1,200 or 1,400 is his caper. Well, I, I must admit, I feel terribly bad sort of half-potting a Godolphin horse, considering Vin Cox is so good to us with his time on past the post. He's listening but, to the show this morning <laughs> too. Good morning. How are you? But sometimes you have to call it, as you said, and I must admit we did a... Uh, uh, a column on RaceNet late in the week where we sort of, a couple of us kind of declared half cabin wouldn't win. So um, I, I must admit uh, I was glad to be right rather than wrong like I normally am for a change. They were the two group ones, uh, Communists winning the Guineas and, of course, the Canterbury States taken out by Artorias. Let's move to another race that created a lot of conversation and interest during the week leading up to yesterday. This was the challenge. It saw the Everest winner resuming, Giga Kick, it's saw Eduardo going for three challenge stakes. He nearly did it. Here's the replay. Eduardo leads at the 600 by a length and a half. Now two lengths on passive aggressive. Remark in third, two lengths away. Then Key Largo, Palali cluttered up, followed by Sacred Satano, Shelby 66, Giga Kick still last. Eduardo being cuddled by Nash coming up the rise. Two lengths clear from passive aggressive. Remark being stoked up. Giga Kick six off them getting to the outside. Eduardo in front from passive aggressive. It's Eduardo. Passive aggressive running a huge race. Eduardo from passive aggressive is getting deeper out. Eduardo, passive aggressive lunges. I think missed. I think Eduardo a nose to passive aggressive. They're wide apart. Third between Giga Kick and Remark. Then Key Largo from the bopper. Further back then to Paolo Sacred Satono and Shelby 66. Stand by. Well, Darren thought there might be a margin there. Sadly for Eduardo's connections, it wasn't. It was the narrowest of wins. Having a look at that video finish and that line, it's... Uh, it's as close to as a dead heat as you'll get. Of course, Joe Pride and Nash Rowella did have a look at the video finish but was satisfied that the result was correct. And it was uh, the start of a very good day for Graham Begg, a two-state feature double winning this race, the Challenge, and then a little later, non-conformist coming out. We'll, we'll hear that race shortly, winning the blame at Flemington. Yeah, terrific day for the Begg stable. Got to say, though, um, my take out of this race, uh, my main take out was the return of Giga Kick. I thought he was outstanding. Um, yeah, he didn't win yesterday, got beaten a length, but uh, over a 1,000 metres, ran on really strongly in Stowley. Clayton Douglas recently said he thinks this horse is back better than ever. And I think the TAB agree. Just had a look at the TJ Smith market. He's the $5 favourite, mm. uh, the Everest winner for the TJ Smith. So, look, I know he didn't win yesterday. Uh, they, they're not machines. They can't win all the time. He was first up over a 1,000. I thought that was a terrific return. There was a lot of expectation on him, and I think that's packed in being the Everest winner, and he was the, the morning line favourite. But I think anyone you spoke to said that he'll, you'll get better come start time, and that was certainly the case. $4.60, even lost favouritism. But you're right, the run was, was outstanding for a couple of reasons, I thought. One, uh, he missed the start and then got involved in a bit of traffic, so it was always going to be nearly mission impossible. You're running last with Eduardo up front, uh, and the other thing was, too, for this race, even though it was a 1,000-metre race, they didn't go up breakneck speed, and the sprint home, 
on a soft six, which which it was rated as thirty three one nine. The ground he made up kick a kick was uh, um, an enormous amount of ground, and I haven't got his own sectionals, but they would have been outstanding. So I'm sure Clayton Douglas, you know, whilst losing, uh, would have been would have been delighted with that run. He would lose no admirers either. But passive aggressive. Um, let's discuss her. Only been beaten once in her career. I think has shown that she has a, a, a likeness for tracks with a buy-down. That was the case yesterday. But nice ride by Jordan Charles. Just made sure he had Eduardo right in his sights and then went to him. But it was a, it was a great finish. Eduardo had the race one everywhere, bar the, the last stride. Yeah, and Jordan Charles obviously went to Sydney to ride. Mm. And I think Harry Coffey rode at non-conformist to win. So um, nice opportunity there for Harry in Melbourne. Uh, but, yeah, she's got a great will to win, hasn't she? Um, lovely race for her yesterday. Be interesting to see what they do with her now. Yeah, exactly. I think, well, I think she's she's a good chance of either going back to the Galaxy in a fortnight's time or the TJ Smith in a month's time, and why wouldn't you? Uh, remark every chance in fourth. The disappointment of the race was Paul Laley, who didn't fire, finished second last. Let's turn our attention now to the, the two-year-old scene because we're starting to get awfully close. The Golden Slim is only a fortnight away. I think yesterday, despite that these were very small fields, I think we were seeing the slipper winner yesterday. We'll discuss it, but first let's have a listen to the replay of the Todman for the Colts and Gildings. Coming around the turn, the unbeaten Colt in front, Red Resistance. Preble trying to use his speed and his big stride to dominate the Topman stakes. We've got Cylinder the outside trying to get on terms. He goes for Red Resistance a long way out. Cylinder's trying to get on terms and doing a great job of it. Red Resistance and Cylinder. They're knuckling down a great finish in the Todman. Cylinder the outside of Red Resistance. Cylinder with the head in front. Red Resistance trying to fight back. He can't. Cylinder too good. Good tough performance. Cylinder to beat Red Resistance, Militarised third, then Empire Japan and Cafe Millennium. If Cylinder wins the Golden Slipper in two weeks, he'll earn Godolphin an extra million as a bonus because he's already won two group lead-up races, the Silver Slipper, which we saw a couple of weeks ago, and the Todman yesterday. Pretty hard to uh, put a, put a, uh, any knock on Cylinder. He's going into the, into the big dance in two weeks' time with an impeccable lead-up record. Yeah, I think the Golden Slipper winner was in that race. Yes. But it wasn't the winner. I think Red Resistance, I think four or five weeks between runs, uh, I think um, was arguably a little bit soft. Uh, yeah, it was only a five-horse field. Had its chance, um, you know, with, with Cylinder uh, proving stronger on the line. But I reckon the Gay Waterhouse, Adrian Bott team know what they're doing. They, they clearly do. Uh, the Golden Slipper is the grand final. I just reckon... Um, you know, this Colt has just... So I know he got beaten yesterday. He's just got something about him. Brett Preble loves him. The whole team love him. I wouldn't be jumping off Red Resistance from a Golden Slipper point of view. And he's still the $7 third favourite. I'd give him a second chance after yesterday. I will respectfully disagree with you on that one. Do you want to have a side wager? What are you on? So no, you, no, you no, want... no, because we haven't finished the two-year-old conversation yet. I'm saying on what I saw yesterday, and you mentioned about Red Resistance not having a start for five weeks. He did have a very solid barrier trial, so... But he went bananas in that barrier trial. Yeah, but I'm just saying, on what I saw yesterday, I can't see how Red Resistance can turn the tables on Cylinder, and I think Cylinder's um, CV for the for the slipper, I'm not saying he'll win it, but is, is bulletproof. What's that favourite restaurant of yours in Racecourse Road? I can't remember. It's, I shouldn't out you on air, because then, then everyone will turn up wanting an autograph. But I'll tell you what, let's Victoria have a... Italiana. <laughs> let's have... 
<laughs> Let's have a side agent. wager. Let's have a dinner. Yeah. My shout for dinner yeah, if, or, or your shout. I, I, Red Resistance will beat Cylinder Home in the Golden Slipper. I'm very happy to be on that. Beautiful. Now, let's go to the Phillies in the Riesling and learning to fly. She was attempting to keep her unbeaten record intact and she was $1.65 to do it. Learning to fly and facile head and head around the corner here in the Riesling Stakes. Learning to fly under a good grip from facile the outside. Thrilling Soweto Mathura stoked up and Cigar Flick quietly back on the rails. It's facile scrubbed up. Learning to fly. Now Schofield gets busy on her. Learning to fly goes up again to join facile in the lead and it's a ding dong go. Learning to fly and facile. Learning to fly. Lifting from facile. Learning to fly a half head on facile. Learning to fly. Won the Riesling in an epic battle. Learning to fly remains unbeaten. Went at a half head to Fasal. They gap cigar flick. And Mathcura wasn't up to it. She's finished a long way back in fourth position. No, I don't want you having that bored look on your face like the lazy school kid in the back row. Of the oh, class. are we talking times? We, uh, but this is important. Okay. This is important. First up, still in the round 19.7. And Learning to fly ran slightly slower, 1999. So it's oh, well, still in the round quicker. But the, the the tempo of the race that was in stark contrast in Cylinder's race, they went out in um, thirty five and seven, so it was a a casual gallop. But in the in learning to fly's race, they went out in thirty four thirty four and five. Now, I understand that Chad Schofield had to make a decision early on. Facile was nearly over, was seven eighths over, but obviously the the school of thought was we don't want to have to sit behind and maybe get trapped. So he committed to go up and keep Facile out. They went hard. She absorbed that pressure well, and, and, and I liked her win more than Cylinders. But what we've seen with this filly now, she can race on speed, which she did in her first start. She can come from the back with a great finish, which she did in the Millennium. And yesterday she was in the leading role. She absorbed that pressure and still won. She hasn't been beaten I think she's a worthy slipper favourite, and I think she can win the slipper, which is not saying too much. She's the favourite. But I think on what I saw yesterday, I was very impressed. Yeah, I was impressed. Maybe not as impressed as you. I think you're right in what you're saying. Clearly, she's that was another trick to her bow, what she did yesterday. But you can imagine a slipper set up suiting you, can't you? A fast-run race, getting back with cover uh, totally differently to how the race was run yesterday and just unleashing like we saw uh, in the millennium. Um, did she enhance her slipper credential yesterday? Oh, I'm not sure if she did. Um, but, I mean, you can you can only win, and she was tough. Yeah, exactly right. I, I think those two races yesterday, despite the smallness of the fields, I think they were very strong pointers. Do you agree with what Henry Field said? Henry Field leans, he said, strongly leaning towards the Colts and Geldings. And look, he may say that because he, he's obviously got two of the boys in contention. Do you think the, the boys are stronger than the girls this year? Not necessarily, um, and, you know, I'm sort of sitting on the fence. I'm not saying one's stronger than the other, but all I'm saying out of yesterday was I was impressed by Cylinder, I was impressed by learning to fly, marginally more than Cylinder, and I think both uh, go into the Golden Slipper with rock-solid chances. We've got, of course, two more races next Saturday, but uh, I'll be surprised if the winner comes out of next week's racing. Well, I can't wait to eat that beautiful Osabuco at that Italian restaurant of yeah. yours when Red Resistance beats Cylinder Home the Slipper. That'll be tremendous. I'm looking forward to that already. Well, it's on tape. <laughs> Don't forget. It's not let's, ideal. One, one, no, not for you. One more replay. Let's go to race four. This was, a, this was an extraordinary performance. So the horse's name is Sir Lucan.
Into the straight, Sir Lucan swings in front from Bullfinch the outside, then Athabaskan grinding away, Sacramento the outside, and then Kamar Ravina. Sir Lucan still the leader from Bullfinch running a big race, first go at the distance, but Sir Lucan still with gas in the tank. Sir Lucan said goodbye, Bullfinch, then came Bonnie Ezra down the outside, but Sir Lucan full of running, and Sir Lucan, what a great training performance, makes all to win it by a length and a half to Bullfinch, Bonnie Ezra third, then Sacramento from Athabaskan, Raging Bull. Ravina, further back to Salka making no headway from Inner Twinkling and Torrens was last of all. Darren made mention of a great training effort and he's spot on there. Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott combining this horse. Just put it in perspective we've seen him once in Australia. He was an import. He ran 14th in the Melbourne Cup. Not last year's Melbourne Cup. The year before. 2021. The year very elegant one. Here he is produced in March of 2023. First up 2,000 metres leads all the way. It was an incredible training performance. As you say, got beaten 22 lengths in that Melbourne Cup as well, if you don't mind. The most extraordinary thing to me was he started $7. I would have had him 70 to 1. Just shows you what a bad judge I am. And uh, Nashville Willow can just get the best out of some of these horses. I, I reckon that he really suited that horse yesterday. His strong style, just standing over it, leading and just saying, come on, boy, keep going. Uh, terrific win, I reckon, would have given, obviously, connections. Aussie Care is a great friend of this show. Um, you know, and others uh, included a whole lot of satisfaction. Yes, yeah, certainly. Had a, had a good run in front. They, they left him alone. But nevertheless, to still do that after such a long break uh, speaks volumes for the training, but speaks volumes for the horse as well. It was a great day at Royal Randwick yesterday. And, of course, uh, more feature racing coming up next Saturday. Let's turn our attention now to Flemington. And the Australian Guineas was the Group 1 feature. Big field here. Here's the replay. So it's elliptical up to Maximilius from Mr. Maestro and Elkington Road. Further back, amenable holy man's attrition to the middle of the course under the whip, followed by Japanese Emperor and Legato in crowded room. Oh, there's a fall. Maximilius has crashed, brought down holy man's. 250 out. Attrition moves up, takes the lead from elliptical Japanese Emperor. Backmore and Jackano late. Japanese Emperor and attrition. Stride for stride. Attrition just in front. The Philly Legato is driving at them and got up. The Philly, the Kiwi, Legato has nailed attrition. Japanese Emperor third, photo fourth. Bankmore amenable. Japanese Emperors run a massive race. Then Jackano elliptical in a dramatic Australian Guineas. Mr. Maestro behind those horses, followed by Elkington Road. Muramaza laced up heels. And the fortune teller, both horses from that fall have crossed the line riderless. And we stand by for further news. Legato, the Kiwi Philly. It's Michael D with another group one. He just can't stop riding big race winners, Michael D. And uh, Legato weaving a passage, threading the needle. And as you heard there in, in Matt's broadcast, those two horses coming down, uh, we probably deflected attention to it. But all of a sudden, when we went back to the race, there's Legato. And it was it was uh, an exciting finish, just getting up in the last few strides. Oh, didn't attrition have that race shot to bits? It just looked... Oh, I'd love to see the sort of live betting on the race. It just did say it would have been a dollar twenty, I reckon, in the end. And then Legato just sprung up out of the ground from nowhere. And I guess a lot of people were watching the race trying to look back and, and see how the fallen riders were. It was certainly a dramatic addition of the Australian Guineas. She's a very good filly, Legato. She's um, only been beaten once in a seven-start career. Of course, she won the 1,000 Guineas at Rickerton late last year and uh, taking a Group 1. For Ken and Bev Kelso, very astute trainers. Of course, they put the polish on Levante, but they wanted to win a Group 1 in Australia, and they, they got it yesterday. Very humble people, and they were they were delighted with the win. 
Yeah, terrific. And I think um, I read uh, just some of the, the wash-up from this race. They were actually thinking about retiring from training. Um, you know, they said, it, look, if we win a Group 1, uh, you know, it's probably retirement for us. That was the, the, the box that they wanted to tick. But, um, you know, obviously now with the Melbourne Cup Carnival only five or six months away, I think they put that on hold. I think this filly's pretty special. So it be interesting to see where she ends up. But, look... Uh, I've got to say that that race will be, I guess, remembered for the fall, won't it? Um, and again, as I said off the top of the show, you know, our thoughts and prayers and, and fingers crossed and everything with Ethan Brown, who's not in a great way at the moment. It, 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 it isn't luck of fortune. Uh, we've discussed Ethan and, and we know the situation he's in. Mark Sarah got up and rode to the next race. Yeah, it, it, isn't it extraordinary? Um, it's unbelievable. And, and look, the other... Um, Outcome of this race, uh, there was an inquiry opened into the fall, and without going too deeply into it, um, you know, several riders questioned Mark Zara, uh, Blake Shin, obviously um, Damien Oliver. Damien Oliver. So uh, they had to adjourn the inquiry, obviously, with Ethan Brown um, very unwell. But I'd imagine at this time of year, it, the stewards are going to want to hold that inquiry um, potentially in the next few days or as soon mm. as they can. So look. Uh, I look. I don't know who they will apportion blame to, if anyone. But potentially, given the the serious outcome, uh, you know, if they do apportion blame to someone to to another rider, they could be looking at a, a long stretch at a very important time of the year with the All Star Mile and, and other big races coming up. It's hard to get hold of the vision now at the moment, but but from what I've seen just this morning, a very brief shot, elliptical, is outside of Minable, who's then outside of. Uh, Maximilius, who's outside of Holy Man, who was going up on the inside or attempting to. Things got tight between those four horses. Ultimately, two horses falling. And the jockeys you mentioned have been interviewed, but that, as you said, that inquiry will be completed, I would imagine, sooner than later. Let's go to the blamey. And uh, we were talking about Graham Begg with Passive Aggressive. I'm sure he was pleasantly surprised for this win of non-conformers. First up, not really expected to win, but showed a great turn of speed to take the group two. 650 metres to go. Gentleman Roy kept them running by about a length and a quarter to Valoo, if anything, getting a little bit closer. Call sign Mavis third from Sosi Bon, a couple to pounding, and then came along the inside Ryers and Smoke and Romans, Banker's Choice, and then Uncle Bryn Luna Flair, and back in the field then is Port Philip Bear Story, and he's a shocker. So Gentleman Roy, first to straighten at the 350, looking to do it all. Kick clear, two legs, call sign Mav, to Valoo, pounding, and then came Ryers and who's getting a split from Nonconformist. Gentleman Roy at the 150, starting to paddle. Nonconformist grabbing it, followed by Pounding and Banker's Choice. But Nonconformist drives away for Harry Coffey, and Nonconformist won the blamey. Second Pounding, third Banker's Choice, photo fourth. Gentleman Royal on the inside, Ryazan, who's run a beauty. Then came Uncle Bryn Luna Flair, Smoke and Romans to Valoo. Call sign Mav, he's a shocker, Bear Story, Port Phillip and Sosie Bond. Worth mentioning this horse's CV, it was only his 25th start yesterday and he was beginning his sixth racing campaign, but already in the war chest is the Group 2 Alistair Clark, the Group 3 Kunji, the Group 3 Naturalism. He takes the Group 2 Blamey yesterday, but also a second to incentivise in the, the Caulfield Cup. So he's always been around the top of the tree and um, uh, he'll now go to the... All well, well he, he's got the wild card for the All-Star Mile, but, of course, the Australian Cup's on the week after as well. So Connections have got an interesting time to make a decision. Yeah, look, it is an interesting decision. A $5 million race versus a Group 1, I'm not sure. Now, David Fowler, you mentioned incentivised there. Uh, might have a bit of news on that horse today. Um, writing a story for our websites. 
Uh, there's still a little bit to play out. Uh, a couple of trials uh, to go. He trolled last week. Uh, we all love incentivised. Headline horse. Reckon he might resume in the Winter Carnival. He might yeah. be a headline horse for the Winter Carnival, potentially. I think the autumn may come up uh, a little bit too soon for him. May have a run at the end of the autumn. But I reckon uh, Connections and Peter Moody very much eyeing off Queensland. Races, you know, like the Dooming Cup, Q22, uh, with a potential springboard towards the spring there. So, look, there is a fair bit more to play out. This horse has, you know, been in the wars, obviously. He's going to have to have at least another couple of trials. So things can go wrong. Plans can change. Uh, but at the moment, I, I think we can half-pencil in incentivise you'll see in Queensland during the winter, which would be a huge fill-up for the winter carnival. 100%. Let's go to this uh, spread, the Millennium. Now, Opal Ridge was the morning line favourite, but he knocked his off four cannon on the way to the, uh, the track, or near four cannon on the way to the track, and ultimately he was a late scratching, so it, it altered the market. Still a big field, but this winter was very impressive. As they reach the 650, over on the inside, the leader Semion, about five or six horses off his gold revolver, Extravagant Star, it's out of then Crosswinds and Insurrection. Paris Dior sticking to the inside with Brudenell as they make their runs, trying to get through Social Conscience. Scythera has got an absolute wall in front of it. Crosswinds got flattened, running by behind them, and Benedetta is launching down the centre at the 250. Paris Dior in front, but here comes Benedetta, the favourite over the top of them. The filly takes the lead. She draws a length and a half, two legs in front and is coming away for a dominant win. Benedetta won it by almost three legs, Paris Dior Insurrection. Cythera four. They were followed by Running By and next Mullane. Next Brudenell and then Seven Act Social Conscience and Semion Crosswinds, Extravagant Star, Sajad and Manhattan Thunder. Gold Revolver and a long last Nana Guy. Terrific turn of speed here by Benedetta. That brought up a... A city hat trick. She's only been beaten once in her career. Trained by Jason Warren and written by Daniel Stackhouse. She was a 75k purchase at the English sale. So she's uh, a bargain buy, so to speak. And, of course, racing in the colours made famous by Shocking, who won the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, I've got a feeling this filly may be elite. Like, as in really elite. Oh, just so, so rare, isn't it, to see horses win so easily down the straight like she did. I mean, she absolutely blew them away. She's now won four, in, four on the bounce. She's come such a long way in such a short space of time. There's only upside with her. I think we may have actually seen something pretty special there yesterday. 100%. Of course, Newmarket Day at Flemington coming up this Saturday. Thanks for your company this morning on Past the Post. Still plenty to come, including a look back at Eagle Farm yesterday where we had the preludes to the big jewel races which come up in a fortnight. You're listening to Radio Tab's Pass the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Archer Park Racing present Pass the Post. Their website is archerparkracing.com.au. They were in the winners list yesterday with Galifianakis of the Gold Coast and Early Thoughts. A horse, do you still own it? No. We're out of it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you're out of it, keep starts winning. You knew that, didn't you? No, I didn't know that. Or did I? <laughs> or did I? Anyway, the the team were in good good form, so congratulations to all of the owners with Galifianakis and early thoughts. Poly track specialists, they were. Let's go to Eagle Farm, and we'll, the first replay we're going to have a listen to is the Phillies, the two-year-old Phillies prelude for the Jewel. The leader was Mashani Royal Royale and a clear leader too. Rumor High was trying hard, trying to get around Ringer's reward. Within reason starts to run on Mashani Royale. Thompson's looking for four out of four. He's well clear on the filly. Rumor High runs the second, then within reason. But Benny Boy, you've done it again. Mashani Royale first, within reason second, third over the line. 
was River High, then Ringer's Reward, Glass of Rosé, Don't You Wish, followed by Sunshine Highway, Giuliana, Five Star Vixen, Foursome, Keyboard, and Bedore Blast of All. When will this stop? Well, I put the mock on it. Stopped. <laughs> you stopped it. <laughs> it stopped straight after that, that race. But nevertheless, the first four is a pretty special achievement. And I think Ben Thompson, uh, who was the man of the moment at Eagle Farm yesterday, joins us for the second week in a row. Ben, good morning. Good morning, David. Well, uh, Mashani Royale, I want to talk about her first. And I made a comment on radio yesterday morning, and, and you, I'm sure you'll, you'll back this up. Apart from the fact that her record's there for all to see, this filly has a, has a, a strength to her, or a, a string to her bow, that I think can be really advantageous. We see horses that have got speed from the barriers, but they sometimes jump well and then gather speed. But this filly leaves the gates exceptionally fast. Yeah, she sure does, David. And as you know, like it's um, it takes a it takes a pretty fast horse to to be able to cross the field off that thousand metre start of Eagle Farm. It's a it's a very it's a, only a short run to the turn, uh, really only about a hundred metres, and to it's so advantageous to draw low. So she it. Compared to the boys' division of the two-year-old yesterday, the fillies looked to sort of have more speed for the first half of the race. It looked as though it'd be a much stronger or, or faster affair early, and and it was. But um, she just couldn't be matched early, and it's a it's a, a massive asset that she has. And, and better yet, she can still quicken off a good gallop. So she's she's really exciting. You won the pearl on her during the the Gold Coast Carnival in January, and that was eleven hundred metres. Uh, 1,000 yesterday. We go to 1,200 in two weeks' time. Have you got any fears about running the distance? I guess it's always, like, stepping into the unknown, but like, just in... Obviously, she, she's fast, and, and she can still quicken off a, a really good gallop over 1,000 metres. I think just having ridden her, obviously, only the once before yesterday, there's no doubt she's taken really good improvement in the, I guess, the, the two months since we've seen her. Um, and I just think she'll be able to idle for longer over 1,200 metres and, mm. and um, still give that really good kick. So she's really like, I don't know be barring bad luck that she isn't in front um, in two weeks' time for like pretty much for the first two-thirds of the race and we'll hope for the whole race. I think she'll she'll be making the play. And one thing that she's done in her, in her last two races, and mind you, beating really nice horses, She's just had them out of their comfort zone and just controlled the race from start to finish, and it's such an asset when you can have those behind you off the bit and, and not sort of travelling up and waiting for you to sprint. She can sort of have them being felt for and still then put a margin on them when it's time to go. So she's um, the way she's going, like obviously she's she's still fresh after what, eight weeks between runs. Um, you'd think she'd take natural improvement from yesterday and... And arguably, Doom will only suit her more than Eagle Farm will. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. I'm going to make an award this morning, the Mr. Stupid Award, and I've actually won the award this morning. I'll tell you why, Ben, but you'll appreciate this. Last Monday on Press Room, I said to my colleague here, who I'm going to hand the interview baton over to in a moment, Ben Dorries, I said, this premiership, I said, Orman $1.10, Thompson $8. I said, that seems uh, an extraordinary difference. And he hummed it hard. And, of course, did I take the $8? No. Let me tell you now how a week changes. Orman $1.60, Ben Thompson $2.50, Ben Dorries. Yeah, no, it's uh, unbelievable how much can change in a week in racing. Of course, Jimmy Orman taking a, a bit of a sabbatical. Uh, he got married. But you've closed the gap 
uh, in the Premiership to only three, um, Ben. Have you sent Jimmy Orman a, a little little tickle-up message last night or this morning saying, hey, I'm coming to get you? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And Todd, I don't even... I think if, I, if I'd done that or even if I'd... If I'd well, by not doing it, he'll probably come out and um, he'll probably come out and ride three or four himself on Wednesday when he's back. But <laughs> it's nice, to, obviously, yeah, really nice to shorten the gap. And um, hey, hopefully we can we can fight it out. Obviously, he's a he's a super rider, Jimmy, and and a rider that I really look up to and um, love his style and and just his the way he goes about his work. So I've no doubt I've learned a lot and got better just from watching and riding with Jimmy. And um, if I can, hopefully, we can get it closer and. Um, yeah, we can we can fight it out. It'd be it would be really really good. So as it stands, um, Jimmy Orman, sixty one wins at city level. You've got fifty eight, Ben. But um, extraordinary figure here, obviously helped by your, your Group One Oakley Plate win. But your horses at city level only. I'm just talking city level. Have won four point seven five million dollars. That's uh, quite remarkable, doesn't it? Isn't it? And, and just shows you what a season you're having. Yeah, it's um, if I guess we sort of go back to the start of August I, I oh I would have been hopeful or wishful of a, of a season that that I've had thus far and it's really it's it's been amazing it only comes with great support and um I've just got a great team behind my, my wife Steph and my parents um I speak to multiple times a day and um uh, my, my my biggest mentor is uh, Danny Beasley who's obviously returned to riding in New South Wales and we um, became good mates in Singapore, and he sort of, yeah, I, we touch base every day, and and um, he sort of helps critique me um, along the way, and it's yeah, obviously just the team that I've around me, along with the manager Glenn Courtney, it's just invaluable, and it, and it really works. So there's a lot more than just me jumping on a horse and and having good days like yesterday. There's a big team behind it, and um, yeah, we've really just found a good balance and. And had yeah many great results this season. What's the lightest you can ride at? I can ride fifty kilos. Um, yeah. I've ridden, I rode forty nine back in twenty nineteen the Doncaster. Um, so it's it's still I'm sure still forty nine for the right horse would be achievable. But but I can I can get to fifty with not too much notice. Yesterday you rode the first four winners. Was was that a career milestone for you? A, a city quartet. Yeah, I'd only had four once before yesterday and that was at a Sunshine Coast meeting um, at Provincial Grade on a Sunday. So it was um, the first time I'd ridden four at a Metropolitan meeting. So it was, a, it was yeah, it was it was unreal. Obviously, I'd, I'd had a really good good book of rides and it's um, you, can, you can go the races with a good book of rides and, and come away with without a winner. So it, just things, yeah, really worked well. It, it obviously started... Started great with the red kite. It was dominant. He looked as though the, the mile, at, uh, up to the mile from a 1,472 in the same class yesterday was going to really suit him. And that Comrade Rosa form, finishing second to her last, that I'm sure we'll look back on it and, and say it was super strong in, in time. She's a quality filly. Um, and, yeah, it just it just kept flowing on. All that pizzazz. He'd returned super um, and probably had the argu- arguably the strongest form in the race leading into yesterday, but he carried 58 and was really good beating six other quality horses. And Red Top had been knocking on the door. It was, it was um, probably the, the biggest plus for his... Or two big pluses yesterday was up to the 1,800 and not having to take on the vows again. But, um, yeah, he was really good and, and just he, he probably just out, or stayed 
better than the opposition and obviously Mashani Royale was, was dominant. Ben, last one uh, on a bit of a sombre note just to finish off with. The highs and lows of jockey life are quite extraordinary, aren't they? Obviously, Zach Purton was a huge high yesterday in Sydney. You had an amazing day, but I guess your thoughts along with um, a lot of other jockeys would be with Ethan Brown today in Victoria. Uh, you came from Victoria, obviously. I'd imagine you, you know Ethan, and, and he's not in a great way. So we are thinking of him, aren't we? Oh, for sure. It's it's um, It can ground you pretty quickly. Like when, when obviously just when the risks, everybody, we all know the risks, and but when uh, like there's a, like obviously a, really a, a, a tragedy when there's a fall, um, it was remarkable that Mark Zara walked away, but unfortunately Ethan wasn't as lucky. I'm just sort of keeping up to date with social media and whatnot. I hear he's had surgery overnight and um, may have to again today. So obviously best wishes with him, and he's yeah he is obviously. I think regardless whether you know of a rider or not that's had a fall, it still feels all like too close to home and we're such a tight-knit group. So um, obviously best wishes out to Ethan and um, and his, his family, his mum, uh, Sonia, and his uh, stepdad, Ronnie. They're all, I know that they've, uh, they actually live in, in Tweed Head, so they made the trip down last night to be with Ethan and also his partner, Celine Gordray. So we're all yeah, thinking of them and, and um, keeping, him, you know, keeping our thoughts as positive as possible. Good on you, mate. Good words and uh, congratulations on yesterday. Thank you very much, David. Thanks, Ben. Here is Ben Thompson joining us. We've run out of time. I I blame Ben Thompson for all that talking. It's been a good show. I've enjoyed it. It has. And, um, you know, a a lot discussed. We'll talk tomorrow morning on Press Room. Yes, and uh, looking forward to that beautiful dinner you've promised me. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait for that, Golden Enjoy your day, folks. Talk soon.